0: Welcome to the PA Leadership Podcast, brought to you by the Pennsylvania Association of Intermediate Units. The PA Leadership Podcast highlights aspiration, inspiration, and innovation in education during times of adversity and prosperity. Now to your hosts, Dr. Greg Coons and Dr. Mark Hoffman.
1: All right, welcome to the PA Leadership Podcast. My name is Greg Coons, and I'm the Executive Director from Schoolco cool Intermediate Unit 29.
2: As always, I'm Mark Hoffman from the Bucks County Intermediate Unit. Greg, as you know, and as our listeners know by now, Intermediate Units are the agile entrepreneurial service agencies supporting the schools across the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania.
1: Greg, what are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about technology. This is titled 1.21 gigawatts. The future of technology I, I couldn't help myself I'm a big fan of back to the future uh, Michael J Fox a uh, big fan so I, I just thought have it you was watched that trilogy in order I have watched it in order like you started with one then you went to two then you went to three I did I, I watched them all what's your favorite one two or three I'm still I'm still I favor one I just like the uh, worst Yeah, do you know what I I like? It was just original and you know, it's I I just love that. Doc with the whole garage setup and that little guitar and you know, it's good stuff.
2: Yeah, I wasn't sure if the Wild West
1: was when they jumped the shark, but
2: Greg, that's not (laughs) why we're here, right?
1: That's not why we're here. We're here to talk about innovation in education during times of adversity. That's our theme for the podcast. Uh, we brought in two very talented technology. Directors, extraordinaires, uh, they're innovative as they come. Uh, so, our first um, is uh, Jigger Patel. Um, and Jigger uh, serves as the coordinator of innovation and special projects at Tuscarora IU. Welcome, Jigger.
3: Happy to be here.
1: And our second special guest is Jared Mader, who is the director of educational technology at Lincoln IU. Welcome, Jared.
2: I am thrilled to be here. <laughs> Greg, I was a PAMES member myself. The Pennsylvania, the intermediate units, uh, instructional materials and Services Group. It's sort of an interesting name because it's really about technology now, innovation, online learning, uh, at least uh, th- just this amazing opportunity to support the instructional technology elements of school services in Pennsylvania. Both so happy you're here.
0: Thank you so much. It's great how acronyms work, right? We've we've always been the PAMS group, the Instructional Media Specialist Group, right? And so... It's about networks now to and to online ask, courses yeah. and
2: software. Yeah. I think Some of the instructional material services still is relevant in terms of digital video and things like that. But it is amazing how we sort of stick to these old acronyms. Guys, so happy you're here. Welcome.
1: So I brought you here because I really want to talk about this innovation and technology. Both of you came to mind um, going back a couple of years. We had this thing called the pandemic. Have you heard of it? This pandemic that set in? Is that?
3: Yeah, yeah, somewhat.
1: Okay, so you remember that. I blocked blocked it out of my mind. So that comes in and the first thing people are doing they're they're looking for devices. I remember everything's on back order. we're going through everything. The next thing we're looking at connectivity. houses they couldn't get connected. Um, and this is when I met Jigger because we were talking about this thing called a Raspberry Pi and I get I honestly get every time I hear that I'm, I get hungry start thinking about Raspberry Pi. but I gotta tell you Jigger stepped up in a big way for the IUs and for the Commonwealth with that. So I wanted if you could if you could share with us jigger, about that Raspberry Pi. But we're going to talk about a lot of innovations today, but that one in particular I thought was, was pretty neat.
3: Yeah, so Raspberry Pi is a, a tiny $35 computer, basically, that, is, is, that was created in the UK, uh, and it's primarily used to teach kids about STEM, uh, provide kids access to technology at a low cost, especially a full-fledged computer. That, that's a small size form factor, uh, and you're able to do a lot of different things with it. And so when the pandemic first happened, um, I had an idea about 2015, 2016 uh, to put Raspberry Pis on a school bus because we have lots of districts in our region that have a two hour school bus ride and kids are just not doing anything on, on the school bus. And, and a way to sort of think about this is, hey, can we put on something that, that if they have a device, they can either watch videos or get some educational content while they're on a bus instead of just sleeping or goofing off or... It, it was also one way to sort of avoid any sort of bullying because a lot of bullying happens on buses, right? We sure, see that all sure. the time. And so um, it didn't go anywhere in 2015 because I think it was, you know, people were still sort of uh, device access was still not as as prevalent as it is now. It wasn't one-to-one and, you know, many districts didn't have one-to-one. Um, and so when the pandemic hit, happened, um, I sort of, it just... Clicked in my mind. Oh, we have this solution that we came up with. Or we thought about a few years ago. Can it work in this environment? And so we had a district who had who had 400, about four hundred students in the entire district, uh, with about a hundred that didn't have any access uh, to internet, and they can't get cell phone reception either because of their just the geographically where they're located. And so within a week, we deployed a platform called Calibri. It's a nonprofit uh, that that basically has Khan Academy videos. Uh, in an offline environment. So we loaded Pies with uh, Khan Academy videos and sent it out to those students. And then uh, one of the unique things about the platform is that it doesn't need Wi-Fi, but when there is Wi-Fi, it sends the progress and content back to a centralized place. So teachers can then actually look at what the students are doing instead of just handing them paper packets. And so that's really how all of that happened. And within a week, we were able to get students high-quality content with with the ability for teachers to monitor what they were doing.
1: So thanks for sharing that. And what what I wanted to impress upon our listeners here is, Jigger did this in a turnaround time of like it was like four or five days. Yeah. Like, so
3: we uh, we got a request from a district that we have this problem. Can you help us? Uh, at the end of May or at the end of April, and May first, I went down and distributed all of the all of the pies.
2: You often hear the old quote. It sounds like a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true that necessity is the mother of innovation. Mm-hmm. So it didn't seem like it was perhaps necessary back in 2015, 2016. It becomes necessary, and then all of a sudden it's urgent, right? Exactly. It's like the tyranny of the urgent. We got to get it done. We got to get it done. Yep. I think you give a great example of the role that intermediate units play in the face of adversity and necessity, really, in this case, the districts know they can call you. So so kudos, and what a great solution to replicate. So glad we could highlight it here. I mean, Jared, that's one example of innovation in the field of education, Um you know, in your role, you're responsible for a lot of that as well. What are some of the things that stand out to you in your career in terms of innovation's role in technology supporting instruction, teaching, and learning?
0: Sure. Uh, so let me back up a, a moment. To I really do. I like your uh, your cliche that yeah. uh, you shared. So we had a similar experience in uh, IU 12. Our, our our experience was a little bit different in that we um, we have a, a lot more connectivity in our three county region. And so, what? What our superintendents? Very quickly, I can remember it vividly. The Sunday of the pandemic, we had a the, you know there was the Friday the thirteenth, <laughs> Friday the thirteenth, oh, yes. March That's twenty twenty. Yeah. Yep, yep. And so that Sunday, we had a uh, we had a, a meeting with the superint the entire superintendent group, and they all looked to um, us to be able to provide resources to the teachers um, that needed. To accelerate through what was six months of, um, or, or rather six years of innovation that might have occurred um, that they were not necessarily keeping up with. I know Jigger talked about the 2015. You know that's what you know we started to see what I see as the the changeover from where. Um, We were asking students to be consumers of of information, to being the creators, right, also cliched. And so we ended up um, in about a week turning on the uh, LearnOn platform. We uh, developed it. It was learnon.iu12.org. We developed it for parents and caregivers, for administrators, and for teachers to be able to get high-quality, delivered professional development um, that would get them accelerated quickly um, when you think about it, in the contemporary, uh, you know, the consumer world, how many people had to accelerate through uh, DoorDash and Nearpod? I mean, I had, you know, when I, we tell a story all the time of our parents and grandparents uh, who are now using those services, and before the pandemic, they didn't even know what they were. Um, in a similar fashion, we had a lot of um, of our, uh, you know, the force that what the what the pandemic forced us to do was to accelerate through innovations that were related to what I would say customization, personalization, and you can take that and abstract that out onto any other market. It's not just education. People now expect to have things delivered to them in a meaningful way, whether it's going out onto YouTube to learn how to change something on your car. They want to be able to have real-time access to the resources they need and experts that they want to be able to talk to. And I think that, you know, if I if I would paint the picture of what the last 10 years in technology have done, it's that real-time access
2: to what I need and when I need it right now. So we talked about how the pandemic has accelerated the necessity to move forward, right? It's changed the way we work. It's changed the way that we consume products, the way that we produce products. I'm wondering... Where do you think we're going next? So, you know, post pandemic, we think we're post pandemic anyway. Um, we, we talked about what it required us to do two and a half years ago, two years ago. Could you both just give your sense of where we're going from a technology perspective? If you were to advise a superintendent or if you were to advise a school board or if you were to advise a teacher, what's, what's education going to look like in two years, as, as best we could predict
0: it? I'm going to be really interested to hear Jigger's perspective on this because I, I have a, I mean, <laughs> A passion, having uh, family members who are still in the classroom in the teaching profession, there is a loss of humanity. And I worry that we are separating so much the technology from remembering that these are not only students who are humans, but they are also teachers that have um, their own wellness and mental health needs that we need to take care of. And unfortunately, um, what the pandemic has also forced is we've essentially made it so that teachers have to become AI. We have said, you need to personalize, you need to meet the needs of every student, you need to figure out how each student is learning and, and adapt to them. But we've not done a great job. We've not done a great job of being able to give them the tools to show how technology can marry that. So in the point of the theme of, of what do we see as next, I think we need to look at Better tools for automation, automaticity for teachers, interoperability between systems. My gosh, if I can think about how often we've been saying interoperability. Since 2007 with Mm SIF, we've been talking about interoperability. Making it so that we're not having to have the systems uh, manually um, interoperable between one another, but that it just happens, and being able to allow teachers to do the art of teaching that they signed up for as long as you know as, as they've been in in the craft. So um, that, in my mind, is the power of what technology. I have some thoughts about that. We'll you know hold off on sharing those, but. I'd love to hear what
2: Jagger has to say. Hey, Jager, what, yeah. what, how do you how do you respond to that, or what are your reflections?
3: Yeah, I, I would like to piggyback. I think we need to have a little bit more focus on on te- making technology less of a babysitting tool, right? It becomes a tool; it, it has become a tool in the pandemic as a way of of distracting students and giving them something to do while they're at home. And I think we need to go back. And I think that is, some of that has translated into the classroom, where teachers that are are because they're just. Overwhelmed with the stuff that they have to do, right? Whether it's catching up, uh, having their students catch up, uh, having themselves catch up, and and everything else that do, that is also going around them, uh, whether it we talked about safety issues, whether we talked about um, uh, just just political issues they're doing around, right? All of those have an impact on teachers' mental health, and I think at times teachers can easily say, "Here is an iPad, here is a Chromebook, go do this," while I try to figure out what I should be doing in the classroom. And I think, going back to Jared's point, I think we need to have a way to help teachers use technology in a purposeful way. I think technology has become just a tool, has a filler, filler tool, and it needs to be more than a filler tool. It needs to be a tool where, where teachers are using it to help students gain not only skill, but knowledge in a different way. And I think a lot of that automation helps in a lot of lot with a lot of that. I think introducing newer ways of doing things uh, is also and, and and again, understanding that technology has a purpose, not just a tool.
1: Ex- excellent. So I just wanted to go back, I, b- both of you, such great insight on this. How about we're talking about technology and it's it's evolved into we're talking about the human side of all of this. All right, so the impact, the human piece. The mental health needs that are out there, and talking about our teachers, um, I'm going to shift this a little bit. And I want uh, we have our listeners here, many of them involved in technology in some way, as technology leaders. What kind of advice can you offer them as they as they're going through and proceeding through? If they may they might be new to technology, you know, what kind of advice would you give them?
3: Um, What I would say is is one of the things that I've learned, um, and I'll share two points. One is you need to surround yourself with people who challenge you, but also push you. I think, uh, you know, when, when I came up with the idea of raspberry Pi, I had people who supported me, but I also had people like Jared who would ask so many questions on how does this work? How does this work? He does ask work, a lot right? of questions, and and yeah, and it's don't good. worry,
2: that's the sign of an intelligent person. Thank, Thank you, Mark.
1: Yeah,
3: and it's good to have people who push you, and it's good to have people who 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 challenge you in, in ways that that um, that makes makes you. Questioned whether your idea is actually going to work or not, right? And I think that's how ideas get stronger. And the other thing I would say is sharing is caring. One of the things that we learned is amongst, and, and I use was, all of the I use combined were a great example, right? Uh, we were able to not only share what we were doing, but I know Jared's Learn On platform was something that they developed that was much more powerful than what we could develop in-house in a short amount of time. So we pointed at times, we we'll, would say, here's what IU12 is doing, use that, right? Because we, do, we don't have a capacity. We're a much smaller IU, much smaller organization. When we ran out of capacity, we would point to other partner IUs or IUs that we collaborate with often. Um, and all, and we saw this happen all the time. With the PI rollout across the Commonwealth, we had every single IU participate in that rollout because they had pockets, they had you know, 10 families or five families that needed this tool as a way of, of, of providing high quality resources. And so I think sharing is caring. And I, I think we all, that goes back to your mental health, right? We need to be right. able to share whether it's technology, whether it's knowledge, whether it's resources, whether it's the support, right? Just being there phone call away and just, just being there mentally to support as you deploy a lot of these solutions. Ahead, Thank you, Jigar. And
1: we're going to, so, Jared, we, I'd like to hear your input.
0: So, you know, I think um, one of the things, you, you, so your question was really focused on what a technology leader, and yes. I, I think this answer will transcend any, any particular um, business or discipline. I mean, this is education, sure, but sure. It's, it's everywhere. You, you know, I, I am a big Simon Sinek fan. And so, the getting to your why and the golden circle of you know, we talk about how we do things, and uh, we don't often get to why we do things. and that's something that I think getting into the um into the trenches with those that you as a leader, you need to understand the impact of what you're doing and how it's going to impact those at and in specifically in education at the teacher student administrator level. Um, so often we make these we make decisions about how we're going to implement, for example, an LMS. But we fail to recognize all of the great things that teachers have been doing, perhaps outside of that LMS. And now we say, okay, we're all going to go to this learning management system. Okay, but what does that mean for all of those progressive early adopters that already started their work in this environment, this canvas that they've painted all of their, their really rich, meaningful content. So um, I think it's, it's really involving your stakeholders and recognizing that it is not just boxes and wires anymore. Everything you decide to do is going to have a lasting impact on the instruction. The infrastructure is going to have an impact on pedagogy. They are synergistic with one another. They are not something you can have in isolated camps. And, and I think that model is passe, where we have the IT person that's sitting in a closet somewhere working on the network, they and and you hope you don't ever see them because if you do, that means you have a problem. You should see them often.
3: Yeah, and I, I just really quickly add to that. I think it's important that that you translate that why to your team as a leader because I think often your team, some of the some of the, for example, just a tech support person, they don't they don't often see why their role is important in the larger organization, in the larger group of a team, right? Even when someone needs support by just providing them that high-quality customer service can make someone's day. That can improve, for example, if a teacher is having a bad day in the classroom and you help them and you support them and provide them a high-quality customer service, that could entail changing that teacher's day. And they could then, that translates to better instruction in the classroom, right? So providing and making sure that your team understands
2: why they're there is also important. It reminds me of the K Cup podcast. It sure does, and that's what it so it's sort of a shout out throwback to the one of our first episodes. The really about IU 5s customer service, kindness, and compassion, yes. understanding, etc. Uh, my pathway to leadership as an executive director is at the, at the Bucks IU and Carbon Lehigh, um, where I started my administrative career was through instructional technology. So everything you're saying resonates with me, Greg. Your pathway to the executive directorship and leadership but formally and formally through special education. It was, yes. So I think, could you just give us some sense of what technology means to a special educator, knowing that so much of what we do is related to special ed?
1: Um, so I, it goes It goes way back, but it, it came down to writing IEPs. I mean, we couldn't, we used to, when I started, I'm aging myself on this moment, but we used to have triple those triplicate forms, and we used to have to write our IEPs on that, and then you'd have to separate them in the piles and go from that. And then it evolved into all these online IEP writer services, then we've used different different uh, providers for that. But yeah, it really has done that, not only with that type of technology, but when you talk about communication devices. Assistive tech. Yeah, assistive tech. iPads. Unbelievable. iPads, it Giving just changed the whole game for everything.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's amazing, right? Yes. So, uh, the, the student focus that was born out of necessity, innovative educators figuring out that this amazing technology could be used in new and creative ways to support the voice and the needs of students. Greg, I, I, I think you join me in thanking our guests. Oh yes,
1: they were like a bolt of lightning. I'll tell you, and one point twenty one gigawatts.
2: I'm re-energized. You guys are bringing me back to my tech roots. We try. Well, listen, I, I appreciate it, and thanks for all you've done for the Commonwealth. And another great example of intermediate units working together, right? So, it sure I, mean, is. I think the every episode of every podcast we've had at least more. We've always had at least two intermediate units represented. And yes. I think it just showcases the network, right? I mean, literally the wires that connect us, but then also the informal relationships and the formal relationships, the professional network that we have as colleagues to support our schools in Pennsylvania. Greg, I think with that,
1: with that, I think we're going to wrap this up. Um, again, big thanks to Jigger and Jared uh, for for joining us today on, thank you guys. on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, And thank you to our listeners uh, for listening to this PA Leadership Podcast, where we highlight innovation and education during times of adversity. Until next time, make it a great day and innovate PA.